You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompano. Amen. All right. Well, hopefully you are... Someone's getting a lot of notifications. Hopefully you are excited about the Easter season, the Easter series. We are talking about promises and promises that we believe God has made to us, and he has promised many things, and we're just trying to figure out what they are so that we can have the right expectations as we live this life. And this is, uh, it, those promises find their like culmination, their fulfillment, their peak at Easter, Resurrection Sunday, and that's why we are taking so much time to talk and think about promises, and we're, we're putting it on our shirts, putting it on our mugs, because once Easter's done, we're not going to forget about it. We don't want to forget about it. We want to continue and lean in to really what has God promised us? Who is he? What is he saying to us? Um, so continuing in that, today we are going to be in Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22. It's a very famous story that we are, most of us, many of us are familiar with from the first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis. We're going to be in verses 1 through 14. It's a little bit longer, but it's the full story, and I think it's going to, it's going to serve us well today. Would you want to stand with me as we read God's Word? If you need a Bible, there should be Bibles around near you. If you don't have one or a phone or device or anything, the, the Scripture will be on the screen as well. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them, together. And Isaac, to his, and Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. This is God's word. Let's pray. 
Father, use this word to change us, to show us who you are, how much you love us, the lengths you go to, to care for us, to provide for us. We need you, God. Would you speak to us this morning and change us forever? In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. You can have a seat. I came across this article uh, the other day. It, the title was this, How to Manifest Anything You Want or Desire. How to Manifest Anything You Want or Desire. And basically, it was giving steps uh, we need to take in order to get the things that we want. And, and maybe you're familiar with manifesting. Um, it's not new, but we've seen kind of a resurgence of manifesting come since the early 2000s, this book called The Secret. It was, uh, became very popular, and it, it kind of brought back to life this kind of philosophy that emerged in around the 1950s with... Uh, Norman Vincent Peale and the power of positive thinking. And, and, and so, like, nothing wrong with thinking positively, nothing wrong with, you know, if you do vision boards and you do goals, like, I, I love all that stuff. It's fine. Um, but, you know, basically this idea of manifesting, one author said it this way. She, uh, this author wrote, um, uh, a spiritual entrepreneur, she, she wrote, manifesting is making everything you want to feel and experience a reality. And there's tips and tricks to doing this all over the place. If you're on TikTok, you might have seen this thing. It's called the, um, uh, the 369 method, where you basically you write down what you want in the order of three times in the morning, six times in the afternoon, nine times at night for either 33 days or 45 days. And, you know, you'll get what you want. Um, so this is, this is a big deal. This is, these are things that are out there. They're they're relevant, they're happening, people are talking about this all the time. Maybe, maybe us in here, in some way, shape, or form, we, you know, try to pick and choose some of those elements. And honestly, this isn't about me, you know, bashing or doing any of that to, to some of this, but I will say this, <laughs> we're always looking to figure out ways to get what we want. We're always looking for ways to get what we want. We, we want provision, we want to figure out how to do it. We are a needy people. We have needs. What are some of the things that we need? Water, air, clothing, food, shelter, love, wisdom, vaccine. Friendship. And we need this stuff. And, and we spend a lot of our lives trying to figure out where we are going to find them, how to find them, who's going to give them to me, who is going to provide. And we're not just needy, we're, we are wanty. Like, we just want stuff. It's like, yeah, 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 water, air, food, that's fine, but now, I, you know, give me a car. Like, I want, I want money. I want a friend. I want respect. I want significance. I want worth. I want authority. Whatever it is, 
we, we want. We want lots of stuff. And so the question, the ultimate question that we have to wrestle with all the time, all of our life, is where am I going to look? Where am I looking to find provision? This is, the answer to that question is huge. Am I, am I looking inside or am I looking outside? Am I looking within or am I looking without? And I would submit to you that as a church, as Christians, as people who follow the teachings of Christ and the Bible, that, that God throughout the scriptures points us to one place where we can find provision, and that's to him. And I know that that's like, yeah, 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 God provides, but we, let's not rush past it too fast. Okay, because I think most of us, if you've had any experience with God or Christianity or faith, or you would, you would agree with that statement. You're like, yeah, God provides. But, and I want to I stop us from moving on too quickly from there because we can't move past there. We have to see who God is. We have to understand that he is the provider. That is a promise that he makes to us. We think God has promised us all kinds of things all over the place. We think he has promised us maybe... Well, I'm going to let you fill in the blank. We talked a little bit about it last week. What do you think God has promised you? And what has he really promised you? Because what he has promised, he will never break. Those promises are never broken. That's why we're, we're kind of hounding on this phrase, never a broken promise. We want to be reminded of that. We want to remember that all the time. Because when things seem to be broken, when, when perceived promises are broken, we might have to go, okay, did God break that promise or was it really ever a promise? And one of the things that he promises is to provide. And if so, if he does promise that, then we need to think clearly about this because our life will be full of having and gathering stuff. And it'll also be full of not having stuff. And if we don't have the right framework, then we will never be thankful, we'll never be satisfied. We'll never be content. We will always be trying to find the next trick, strategy, method to get what we want. And we have to fight against it. We have to fight against it. And, and I think this story gives us a, a picture. We could go to a lot of places in the Bible to talk about provision, about God providing, but this is, this is a unique one. And I think it, it teaches us a few things. See, this is a, this is a wild story. Almost was like, ah, oh, man, it's, it's, it's so intense at some points. And I'm just like, maybe we should go somewhere else today. I mean, Abraham is a really important person in the narrative of Scripture, in the history of faith. Like, he's kind of like ground floor of our faith. Right? They call him like Father Abraham. He is the beginning point, really, in the, the Jewish faith, which then is completed when Christ comes and we now celebrate as the Christian faith. 
See, God talks to Abraham one day out of nowhere. He just says, Abraham, Abraham, I want, I, want to, I want to take you from, this is not this story, this is before this. He says, I want to take you from where you're living. I want you to, I want you to leave your home and I want you to go to a new place that I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you where you're going to, where you're going to start a family and that family is going to be huge and it's actually going to become the nation of Israel. Abraham was the beginning. And Abraham's faith was seen right then because he's, he's like, all right, show me. And he gets up and he goes. He goes on, he goes, and, and he doesn't know where, but he believes that God is going to lead him. This is a man of, of massive faith. And so he's promised to be the father of this great nation, except one problem. He's got no kids. And he's getting old. He's still 99 and still has no kids. At that point, you're going, all right, that, God did not say anything to me. Or we thought, he thought it's a broken promise. Or what, but God was leading him to a place where at 100 years old, he, he, he finally, he and his wife, Sarah, they are, they are with child. They have a child. When God said it was time and they named this child Isaac, this special miracle son, Isaac, who he loves so much. And so then you fast forward to our story years down the road, and we get this weird situation, this really unusual situation. God asks Abraham to live out his faith in this unthinkable way. To sacrifice his only son, the one that he waited all those years for, he says, I want you to sacrifice your child. Now, God never asked anyone to do this up to this point and never asked anyone to do it after this point. So there's something about Abraham, something about his life, something about his story that is unique and special. If you think God ever tells you to do something weird like this, you're, you're wrong, okay? He's not telling you that. Something special in this story. And so Abraham is ready to do it. And at this point in the story, don't think of Isaac as a, as a little boy. He probably was not a little boy. He was probably grown. But still, it's a wild event. And Abraham's ready to do it. Not only is Abraham ready to do it, but clearly Isaac is, is going along for the ride. And at the last second, God stops him and provides this substitute sacrifice. And so Abraham worships God and names the place where all this happened. He names it. He says, he names it, the Lord will provide. And this becomes one of like the names of God that you see throughout the scriptures, that the Lord will provide. He is my provider. We, we use that, that, the special name of God, Yahweh. And he adds on to that, Jireh. Sometimes you've heard it said Jehovah, Jireh. Jehovah and Yahweh are different ways of saying the same thing. But Jireh is that, that word to provide. God did something amazing in that moment. He provided uniquely, unbelievably to Abraham, to Isaac. And since that time, God's people have been calling the Lord by that name. It's like, God, you are our provider. So there really, for me, to talk about provision today, there's no better place to go because this is... This is the beginning where we see God's faithfulness to provide for his people. And so I, I, I think we learn a few things from here about provision that hopefully will help us go from here today 
and think differently about where we look for provision, how we see provision, how we view the process of provision. And I think as we trace through, we see, we see the heart of provision, the source of provision, the surrender of provision, and the hope of provision. We're going to just look through this, kind of tr- track this story throughout. So the heart of provision, what do I mean? Look, th- this is really interesting because the word the Lord will provide, that phrase that we translate the Lord will provide, literally in the Hebrew, it, it means the Lord will see. The Lord sees. So why would they translate it from seeing into providing? Because at the heart of provision, at the foundational level of provision is the idea of seeing, of sight. Makes sense, right? When when we need something provided, our our biggest hope is that someone sees our need. That's what has to happen first. You need something. You're going to believe that, all right, someone's got to see it. When we're younger, and maybe when we're older, right, we get like a little injury. It's really not that bad, but we want to make sure everybody sees it. So we're like, no, I'm okay. I don't don't need your help. Right? We're drama like that sometimes. Because we want someone to see it. Because if they don't see it, they can't meet the need. And we want someone to to at least empathize with us. We want someone to meet the need. And we hope that whoever sees the need is able to do something about the need. And so Abraham just went through this intense test and he had a need. And God saw his need and God provided for him. And, And this is really, really important for us. Because it helps us answer some of the questions that we wrestle with when thinking about provision. When we have a need, how is this need going to be met? Who's going to meet it? How are they going to meet it? Where am I going to go? Where am I going to look to find the person or the thing that's going to meet that need? And when we start talking about someone seeing that need, we're saying, all right, well, who has the biggest eyes? Who's the most observant? Who's the most powerful to handle the need? And our story and our faith point us that it's God. It's always God. God sees everything. He knows everything. He is the most powerful. Now look, not just that, but he's also good. He's also loving. He's merciful. See, if he was just all-powerful and all-knowing and wasn't good and merciful and loving, then it would be terrifying because we don't want someone like that to see, because we don't know if he's going to be nice or not nice to meet our need. Is he going to make us suffer more? See, this was the problem in the pagan culture in, when the New Testament was written and Jesus came. They had all these gods, all these gods, and we, they never knew, are they going to be are they in a good mood or a bad mood today? Have you ever thought like that about God? Like, like things aren't going so good. You're like, God, are you in a bad mood? Like, what, what happened? That's not him. That's us. That's us. He doesn't get in a bad mood. He is consistent. He is good. He is merciful. And you say, well, why do these tough things happen to me? Well, there's a a lot we could say about that. But we have to understand that he sees it all, knows it all, is the most powerful, and is the most loving. And so we can trust him that he uses his power for good. 
And this is what we have to remember because we are constantly, constantly going to smaller eyes for provision, to get our provision. People, things, entities that do not see like we need them to see. We go to a friend to meet our need, to get provision. We go to our our spouse, we go to our kids, we go to our, our boss, we go to our drug to get what we need. And, and they can't do it. They can't provide. Not the way that God can. And that's why when we talk about provision, see, we need to, we need to put the spotlight on the Lord that he is, he is the source of provision. He is everything. The Lord is my provider. That's what that's what Abraham called that place. Is what he wrote on the ground. I don't know if he marked it in any way, shape, or form, but that's what this place was called. The Lord will provide. He is my provider. He is the God who provides. And look, here's, here's the reason why the source of provision needs to be him, because we want to be the source. We want to be the one who, in the end, says, look, I did it. I made it happen. I, I, I rolled up my sleeves. I, I, I worked hard. And now I get to enjoy the fruit of all that I have earned. I mean, Abraham, he was amazing. He was going to do something crazy. He was going to obey God in this. He didn't understand it. He was going to obey after God stops him. I mean, if that was you, what would you name the place? No, I'd name it. It would have Adam's name in it. Adam is faithful. Adam the obedient. <laughs> Adam the risk taker. Abraham could have, could have named it anything with his name in it. Abraham's amazing faith, but he didn't. He names it the Lord will provide. He, he knows that not only did God provide for him here and now, but that he will continue to provide day after day, year after year for his life. We need reminding of this. We need this because how many times do we do something good, get rewarded, and walk away so focused on how good we did? Boasting on how awesome we are. <laughs> we love thinking we're the source. And God brings these situations into our life to remind us that he is the source. He provides. Whatever we have, whether it's a lot or whether we have a little God has provided, and we always need to focus on him, focus on who he is, the source of our gifts, our life. Even the breath that we take in this next moment is a gift from God. And he wants us to give him the glory, to, to build the, the statue, to build the place, to name the place the Lord has provided. Are there places in your life that you can, can, can just look at and just say, the Lord will provide. And then not just say it, because it's easy to say it. It's hard then to walk away from that and go, okay, now this next step is going to be a hard one.
Because there's, a, there's so much surrender that goes into this. And we don't like to surrender, man. We, don't, we like to fight. We like to stand up. We don't want to surrender. But there's surrender and provision. It, it, it just it goes hand in hand. This will absolutely lead us to a life of surrender. When, when we're focused on God, looking at him to provide our needs, there's going to be this noticeable level of sacrifice and surrender that will absolutely be part of our life. Why was Abraham ready to do this crazy thing? It's an interesting question. It's because his life was surrendered to God. He believed that God was providing something good through even this request, that God was going to come through in an amazing way. But I, I think God was, uh, Abraham was thinking, it is clear Abraham believed that God was going to save his son. One way or another, Look what he says in verse 5. Abraham said to his young men, stay with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and what? Come again. He didn't think he was coming back without Isaac. Even though he knew what God told him, he's got fire, he's got wood, he's got a knife, and he's like, we'll be right back. Was he lying? I mean, was he, was he just trying to cover up, like, to his guys what he's about to do? He's like, oh, don't worry, we'll be right back. Don't worry about the wood and the knife. Like, <laughs> we're going to. No, I don't think he was lying. He knew God. He knew God's character. He knew the promises that God made to him, that God wouldn't have promised the son that he waited 100 years for, only to give him up in that moment to, to, to death. He was going to be a great nation. Isaac was the next step in that great nation. And he's like, God, you promised a great nation. You're asking me to do this. So you obviously have something else going on. And I believe you. So I'm going to, I'm going to walk this path. doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I'll pick the knife up. And I'm, I know that even if the knife comes down, you will raise him from the dead. That's what he says in the New Testament. We see that. In Hebrews eleven nineteen, that's that's what he says. The author of Hebrews said he was he considered that God was able to even raise him from the dead, which figuratively speaking, he did. See, look what he did. His surrender, Abraham's surrender, allowed God to to move in a powerful way. It gave room. It gave room for something to happen. See, our lives need to be surrendered to God, and, and a lot of that means we, gotta, we have to be patient and leave room for God to actually work. We're just, if you're like me, man, you just want to get it done. Like, oh, there's a problem here? All right, I'll fix that. I know how. I'm strong. I'm capable. I'm smart. I can do that. If I can, I'm going to find the right person to fix it. And we're going to get it done. We're going to go. And there are these moments in your life where things come up that you cannot fix on your own. You cannot fix immediately. You cannot fix with your two hands, like you just can't do it. And God's like, look, you need to give me room to work. We need to be surrendered to God so much so that we give God room to provide for us. 
Sometimes we, we want to buy something. God wants to provide for us. We don't, get, we, don't, we don't even give it a second thought. We just like, yeah, I'll put the credit card down. We get it. Maybe sometimes we can, we can slow down and just be like, all right, God, if you want this for me, I'm just going to give you room. I'm going to pray. Now, this is, these are small things, right? I mean, you start taking that to bigger levels. When, when we encounter sickness, when we encounter real trouble, when we encounter death, when we encounter joblessness, we encounter all of, of the big things in life, and we, we start to lose our minds. Like, I, I, I need to fix it, but I can't, I can't. God's saying, I know, I, I can, I will provide. Now, the provision doesn't always mean he's going to come through in the way that you think, but he provides. And it's so much better this way. God gets all the glory. Other people get to participate. And our faith is strengthened. And we grow in hope. We grow in hope. And not hope that we're going to get more stuff, but hope that we're going to get more of God. That's what we want. That's the ultimate point here, right? So, I mean, you know, we talk about the heart of salvation, the source, the surrender, but the hope of salvation is what we see God do in the, in the last second. Salvation. God saves Abraham. God saves Isaac. It's both of them. Because if God did allow that to be carried through, Isaac Isaac's fine, then better off. He's, 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 he's gone. Abraham would have had to live with that. The way God has provided for us is through salvation. This is, this is the ground level. This is the foundation. I mean, that's what Abraham was hoping for. That's what Abraham believed. Verses 7 and 8, right? He says, Father, this is, Isaac said to Abraham, his father he said, my father, he said, here I am, son. Behold, the fig tree in the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? See, they, they, you're going for a burnt offering in the old sacrificial system. That's what you burnt. That's what you killed. That's what you slaughtered. It was a, was a lamb. That was supposed to atone for sin. That was supposed to, to, to appease the sin of man to God. So <laughs> Isaac's walking with dad. Got all the stuff for the... Sacrifice, like, uh, is there a lamb around? <laughs> what does Abraham say? What does he say? God will provide. God will provide a lamb. Abraham was so locked in, man. God will provide a lamb. He is going to take care of us. This is not going down the way I think it's going to go down. He is going to handle his business. Abraham knew God was going to provide a substitute sacrifice for Isaac, and he did. And he did. He did it. Abraham's ready to sacrifice. God stops him, and then it's like, look, there's a ram. There's a ram in the bushes. God saved Isaac and Abraham. And at that moment, Abraham and Isaac's life, this, this, this was the greatest provision God could have made. This was everything. And ask the team to come on back up. This was it. Salvation. Salvation was what they needed most. 
in that moment and God did it. God brought his salvation. And this is the greatest provision that God has made for us. Everything in our faith, everything in our system of belief is about God saving his people. Not giving them more stuff, not being a genie that just provides everything and anything we want at any point in time. No, no, no. It is to save us from ourselves is to provide for our greatest need, which is the separation that we have from God. God promises to provide, and it's never a broken promise. When we say that God is my provider, yeah, he's going to provide us with the things that we need. Water, food, shelter. But at the heart, it means that God, that he will provide our deepest need, salvation from our sins. We consistently break God's law, and we need God to come and intervene. The, the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, that when we sin, we are, we are committing a, a capital crime against the, the perfect God of the universe. And something has to be done. Because the wages of sin is death. The knife is up. We are supposed to be underneath that knife to pay the penalty for our sin. And so we, we are just like Isaac, sitting on the wood, ready to be executed. But God does something amazing. God, he takes his son and he removes us from the, the, the wood. He removes us from the, the aim of the knife and he puts his son under there. He provided for us, salvation through his son. This is, Abraham and Isaac is a picture of us. It's a picture of us that we were supposed to be executed and God substituted us out for his son. And he sacrificed himself for us. The penalty of sin was laid on Jesus to save us. See, Abra <laughs> in the story, God provides not a lamb, but a ram. It's really interesting. Abraham said, God's going to provide a lamb for us, but he doesn't. He, he puts a ram there. Why? Because the lamb was going to come. Jesus was the lamb, the perfect lamb of God to save us, to be slaughtered on our behalf so that we would have life. It's a picture of us and our creator, of the provision we need from the provider who gives us everything, all good gifts. He is our provision, the greatest provision. So we are, we have the opportunity today to practically live this out by taking the Lord's Supper. This is, a, this is a meal that God has commanded us to take regularly. And it's, it's a symbol, it's, a, it's an act of us showing and living and believing that God is our ultimate provision, that he is the bread of life, that if we eat, we'll never hunger again, that he is eternal living water, that if we drink of him, we'll never thirst again. And so we get to do this in this one little meal that God tells us to take. And we have 
the bread and the juice to signify the broken body and the spilled blood of Christ for us. I hope when we take it today, this would be more meaningful than it's ever been before to think and remember Isaac and Abraham, to then think and remember Jesus Christ given for us, slain for us. And so I just want to leave you with three questions before we transition into into the Lord's Supper. The first question is one I asked at the beginning. Where are you looking for provision? Where are you going? Who are you looking to? What are you looking toward to really satisfy the things of, of, your, of your life, to, to fill that void of insecurity, of anxiousness, of depression? Where are you wanting that provision to come from? Where are you going to find it? Jesus said, I want you to seek first the kingdom of heaven kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. This is Jesus talking. All these things is all the things we're talking about. All the things, all the essentials, all the necessities. Seek first my kingdom and everything else is going to be given to you. So this is our, this is our answer to that question. Where are you looking to go for provision? We need to go first to God's kingdom. We need to go to him. We need to go seek him Get with him. Be with him. Be with his people. Pray, read, talk. Worship, sing, hear, seek him. And if you identify other things in your life that you're running to, that you're looking towards to, to, to fill you, it's an opportunity to go, God, I, I, I'm turning away from that. As good as that is, as good as my wife is to provide love for me, she's not the, the answer for me. As good as my job is to provide money for my family, it's not the answer. You're the answer. Second question is, what is my response going to be to the provision that's already in my life? What is my response to provision? What you have, how are you responding to that? What you don't have, how are you responding to that? You're not getting respect You don't feel significant. You don't feel worthy from the people around you. How are you responding to that? You're angry at the world. How are you responding to that? Are you thankful? Are you grateful? Are you never satisfied? Are you never content? Christ on the cross, the sacrifice for us was so that we could be thankful in all things, whether we have a lot or whether we have a little. We're going to talk about that next week. We want to be honest with ourselves and with God. What is my response? How am I responding? And if you are responding in a way that is, is, is not so good, not full of faith, not full of gratitude, contentment, then you can, the good news is again, we have Christ there to run to and say, God, forgive me. 
I'm a complainer. Never happy. No one ever does what I want them to do. Sorry. Help me, God. Help me to be thankful and grateful and to focus in on all that I do have. And then third question is this. As you've been given much, where's it going from you to the world around you? Who am I providing for? God wants to use you to be an agent of provision for others. He wants to use you to provide, to give, to give of all that's been given to you, even to to the point where you spend it all for the sake of him and his vision and his, his, his salvation, his glory, his church. Are you holding on tight? Or are your hands open to say, God, you've given me much, I'm going to give it. Is God's provision moving from you outward into the world around you? So these are questions I want us to think about, not just today, but as you go from here, as we leave and go to work tomorrow, think on these things. Don't just let it sit here. There's no point. It's got to come with us so that we can change the world around us through him. And now as we get to take of the bread and the cup, we can bring it all to him and say, God, forgive me, help me. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you have not trusted in him for the forgiveness of your sins, I want to invite you today to put your faith in him. It's the only way that you will understand and be able to receive the provision that God has given, that God has made available. And for you to take and receive of Christ. And if that's you today, if that's your first time making that profession in your heart, then I encourage you to to take of the elements today, the bread and the juice. But if you haven't and you're just still thinking and, and trying to figure out your own faith journey, then don't worry about eating and drinking when we do it in a minute. We would never want you to play games. We would never want you to just go through the motions and, and just do something for the sake of it. No, we, we want this to be meaningful for you. And so God tells us that this is, this is something that we do as a faith community to, to remember Christ and his sacrifice and to, to hope for the return and look forward to the return when he comes back. So church, we are going to sing and we're going to reflect and meditate. Then I'll come back up and I'll lead us through the taking of the elements. Let's pray. God, this is a holy moment. Thank you for providing for us, God. Thank you for giving us everything. You gave us all. Your only, only beloved son. You, you, <laughs> you told Abraham to give up his only beloved son and he was willing to do it for your glory, for your sake. And, and you said, no, 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 you don't ever have to do that. I will do it, and I will do it once, and it'll cover everyone for all of eternity. Thank you for that, God. Help us to live in that, to believe in that, to trust in that, for your glory, for our joy, for our lives to look different because of that hope and your provision. Help us now as we think and remember your sacrifice for us, your provision for us, presence of Christ 
be with us as we take. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing and reflect.